How much can you really make from investing in property over a 30-year period? Hi, I'm Sam Powell. And I'm Jared Krause, and we're the hosts of Property Pals Australia. In this episode, we're discussing the importance of starting with the end in mind and knowing your why before beginning your journey and also even before taking your very next individual step on your journey as well. Yeah, and we also look at how much money you can make in 30 years uh, from only $100,000 in you know, your initial cash injection into your portfolio. Yeah, it's super fascinating. Like there's a lot, like it's a decent amount of like passive income per year and the property valuation in that is something you guys want to stay tuned for. We also talk about some alternative strategies on how to speed up your property portfolio growth from, from 30 years, that strategy we talked about previously, all the way down to 10 years. And sometimes you could do it in less depending on your life circumstances and goals. A good point we also touched on too during the podcast that I liked was like when to reassess your goals and, and how to reassess your property goals as well. It's um, it's a key part in you know, your growth as a, as a property investor, which is nice to um, get your head around. Yeah. And lastly, we highlight various different property strategies for different people like rent investors homeowners, um, you know, having kids and everything in between that, a bit of a fluctuation between those. Now, before we get stuck into this podcast episode, I want to let you know that this is not the only way that we can help you for free. We have our How to Maximize Your Borrowing Capacity mini course that we created for you guys. Go to propertypals.au forward slash resources and you can use this tool to help you buy a superior asset and achieve a better ROI from the property you purchase. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal financial and taxation advice from a qualified professional. Welcome back to another pod, everybody. Uh, pleasure to have you all here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're just having a bit of a chat in the background and uh, we, we just we come in here and uh, start riffing it, really. We don't have any scripts or bullet points, so... Um, yeah, it's an exciting time. Especially for this pod, um, we started writing out, what are we going to talk about today? Um, Strategies. Yeah, we're going to talk about the value in reassessing your property strategy. Um, and I've actually got, just so you, like, if you guys are a bit like, what is, what is Jared's wearing glasses? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're wearing and I uh, pulled out my glasses, which are my computer glasses for blue blocking. And Sam actually has a pair of them as well, the exact same brand. I did not know, which is cool. How long ago did you get them? Oh, but at least a year ago. But I yeah. um, feel do like you, I look like Clark Kent. You do. And then I take him off and now I'm Superman. <laughs> Super Sam. <laughs> Super Sam. Do you have, do you notice any difference with your uh, glasses? Um, like when you're looking at the screen? Because I noticed when I went away and I was watching TV, like in the evenings, uh, I noticed my eyes, the strain on my eyes compared to wearing them versus not wearing them. Yeah, well, I guess you don't wear the yours as regularly as me, maybe. No, I mean, I got them initially because, um, yeah, the Blu-ray blocking is a good um, element. Uh, I guess I'm just not used to wearing glasses, never had to wear them. So it's mm. just like that thought process, oh, I'll grab my glasses out. I've just never had that. Yeah, yeah. 
but there's definitely days where like I'm just in front of a screen like, all day. Just looking at properties all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just, it's like I get to go shopping every day for property, which is cool. Um, Scott and I were talking about that the other day, actually. It's like yeah. our job is seriously just to go shopping for um, people. It's, it's a beautiful time. Take their budget, go shopping. Now we're going to be talking about, well, in line with shopping is the value in reassessing your property strategy like regularly. And I was doing this on the plane and I do this like a lot. I take out my phone and I look at like how much is my property worth, the median house price. Like you send me things as well like on the property we just bought, like the median house price of this and what would what how much value ought to have if I left it, how much value ought to have if I renovated it. Mm. And my thing is like I want to move pretty fast in my property journey and I want to acquire, you know, I just want to acquire properties. And a lot of people listening, uh, you guys are probably in the same boat of like, yeah, you want to acquire properties probably as fast as you can to get out of your job as fast as you can, <laughs> replace your income. And that's why there's so much value in reassessing your property strategy. So I guess maybe we, like we're riffing on this one, but maybe we talk about a few things that you can think about in how to reassess your property property strategy and your growth strategy. So what would you say is like a, the first step, Sam, of Well, I always say you leave the strategy. There's a classic yeah. quote where it's just, um, you know, if you, you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always rings in my head. So there's reassessing your strategy every 12 months, uh, but there's also like going into, you know, just having a strategy of what you're actually wanting to achieve. You're like I talked to clients every day and it's just like well you're here you want to buy a property why mm-hmm. yeah understanding that why can really help you um, form an appropriate strategy that you know, fits within your risk tolerance and, and helps you achieve your goals because you know um, everyone wants to retire or you know try and build that passive income to provide options you know, what is it what's the goal so let's re-engineer that and work yeah. backwards so some people it might be that they really enjoy their their career um, but they just know that just doing the standard um, saving and putting their super is not going to cut the mustard at the end of the day yeah um, so they want to invest in something they understand the concept of investing and the importance of uh, basically having an asset that produces an income for you so you don't have to work for it yeah it really is starting with the end in mind, right? And so how clear, like, I guess you've got to be super clear on your goals because then you reverse engineer and you come back to your starting point of like where you're at today and the steps you need to take to get to X amount of property valuation income per year, um, whether it takes, like, let's just say, Let's just let's just take a, a standard one. Most people are wanting to get like a hundred to one hundred fifty k passive income from property. In what time frame is you know? I guess for somebody with eighty eighty thousand dollar wage, ninety eighty to like a hundred thousand dollar wage. What's how realistic is that? In what sort of time frame? Like the average to get to like a hundred k. This is a really. This is a really. <laughs> this is this will this will be this can yeah. I mean, it's a big subject because that can determine your property strategy as well. Because there's so many routes, which means there's so many strategies in how to get there. Yeah, yeah, and um, 
when you come into investing in property, it's a big high ticket item and it's it's not a get rich quick scheme. And I was talking to someone the other day, like anything get rich quick um, is just fraught with high risk. Like, so um, I guess that's what I'm trying to um, understand with people is like, well, what is your risk strategy? But also outlining them to say, if the worst case scenario happens, this is what it looks like. Um, so giving them those options. But I actually just went and I've been doing some property plans for people. And I, like, there's a common theme that keeps coming up in um, dealing with these clients, which is it generally sits around like a household income of around $150,000. It's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're wanting one hundred to $150,000 in passive income mm-hmm. at retirement. So... Um, what I've actually been working on is like, well, what are the, the key strategies to help people get to this point? And some people want a principal place of residence. Some people are happy to rent best. Um, and to give you just quick numbers is um, over a 30-year time frame, if, you're got those, if you've got those goals, if you can save 2000 bucks a month, you have a household income of 150000 which uh, yeah, that could be two people, people earning $75,000 a year, which is the median um, wage in Australia. Uh, and then you're starting from scratch, but you've got $100,000 in cash. Mm. It can take you pretty much 100000 You can get to that $100,000 target with, within 30 years, and that's just an organic growth strategy of buying a property yeah, in year one, and then buying another property in three years' time, and then another residential in another three years' time. So, so thirty years though to get there. It's most people don't have that attention span, <laughs> especially yeah, me. This is the simple. So that's you know, the most basic route if you're just doing it without uh, manufacturing growth as as fast as you can. I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah, and you know that's just your like the in Australia the median. Um, House growth period runs between six to seven percent, two to six to eight percent per annum. Of compounding effect, uh, this, the rule of seventy-two gives you that. You know, if it's growing at seven point two percent per annum, then it doubles every ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, obviously we want to try and outperform that market, mm-hmm. but I run my growth rates around that six to seven percent annual growth. I'd like to be conservative. So, the whole point of the exercise was to paint this really simple picture. Is if you've got a hundred thousand bucks in cash, you can actually just invest in residential, like a mix, either residential and commercial or just residential. Um, if you're going down just the residential path, you know you're not going to hit that income target. But, but you're going to fast. No, definitely not. Yeah. But you're going to hit the. Um, you're going to have high capital value because residential grows um, in, in general uh, faster than your commercial. Uh, so the. The purpose of the exercise that I do to clients is to show that you don't have to do a lot. You can keep a really simple life. You can just go and enjoy what it actually is that lights you up. You don't need to be this active investor that's going to you know, shoot the lights out. It's just buy three to four residential properties and go into a commercial property in you know, 20 years' time once you've got that equity. And it's using that $100,000 today that you've saved up, well done, and that's all the real cash injections that you're putting into it. Obviously, you're saving those two, that 2000 bucks a month, but mm. that's $500 a week. For most households, they can afford that, but that's it's providing them a lot of options and it's not stressing themselves out. So mm. it's people, I know for yourself, you're quite aggressive, but um, your income streams can, 
suffice a, a different strategy. Because uh, and also your risk tolerances too. Because you're young, um, youngish. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> um, yes, I don't know. I feel like we look pretty young. Maybe we are young. Like, we're we're in our thirties, dude. Mid thirties, champ. Far out. Far. That's um, young. I know. I didn't think I'd have kids until I was in the forties, but now uh, we're chatting about that. You've you've changed a lot in five years yes. for the better, too. Yeah. For the better. Oh, it's all about growth. I oh, definitely. Yeah. You reflect on who you used to be and um, got me to who I am today. But yeah, there's definitely parts of me that I was like, oh, yeah, could have could have said that better or done that better. <laughs> yeah, but you're only human. Yes, yes, we are. So, th- like, 30 years to get to, like, that 150K and that's just going along and just, just sort of cruise and you've saved up your 100K and you can get there in 30 years um, by just one cash injection of 100K. Yep. By buying a couple of resis and then chucking some commercial in there after, say, property four or three or four, right? Yep, and that's buy and hold strategies too. So you're not manufacturing any equity, you're not doing alternative strategies, you're not buying in you know, high growth markets, which yep. obviously yep. you do, um, and you know, your cash flow component is you're not doing things like um, to increase your rent as much as you can. Yeah, so you're not doing the like the typical. I'll do everything I can to maximize the value of my property portfolio and maximize my cash flow and then take some, you know, look at opportunity costs um, and take some equity out of something, refinance and purchase another asset as fast as possible, right? So that's the, you know, that's where I'm going is like I'm I'm always thinking, all right, I need to, to, you know, reassess, you know, my strategy. And my strategy at the start was like I'm going to buy four, Four resis, you know, and now it's like residential. I mm, guess, yeah, so residential properties, yeah. and now it's a bit different. I'm like, oh, like, and, and I think it's good to reassess because there's so many factors are changing, right? You've got the properties changing in value. Yeah, that's a massive thing. Huge man. thing, huge thing, and then you've also got your life changes as well. So your income can change. Sometimes you might go, oh, I'm going to have a kid. Oh, I'm going to have a second kid. And then if you have a third kid, then your income might not be the same for that, you know, 30 years. I'm going to start another company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go exactly. buy another business. Yeah, and then you start maybe investing in other things as well. So there's so many variables, and I think it's why, why it's worth reassessing regularly because you're like, if you set, I mean, for one human being to go, I'm just going to put 100K in and I'm just going to let it do its thing and I'll buy a couple of properties every year over 30 years, likely it's that person isn't going to stick to that same strategy. It's likely that they're going to change that strategy. So I guess we should highlight some different strategies so people can reassess. You know, we've highlighted one there, which is the 100K cash in, 30-year growth plan to get 150K a year. Yeah. Well, then let's Then let's like sort of work up from there in terms of like what would be the next step like, how do we go a little bit faster and then how do we get to the point where like I'm like going to just be Elon Musk and rocket fuel it to, the, to Mars to hit my goal of, you know, whatever your property goal is in, in I don't know, a shorter period, shorter period of time. So next next phase, like for the typical, typical person wanting to get into uh, property investing, what would be a little bit faster than the, oh, the 30 years? Well, the reason why I go to 30 years, we work with a software platform that, you know, there's limita- limitations in um, 
these, uh, these these plans, these strategy plans, and like um, every I heard this saying like um, pause for effect, but like um, <laughs> the, while you think about it, oh, it was more like um, every every plan is you know it's it's helpful, but it, it's eventually going to be wrong because so many different elements in your life. So that's mm-hmm. why I go like worst case scenario, you can achieve this. And your life's really good because I just go, I picked up um, this uh, a quick little what I was working on. And if you're looking at three residential properties and two commercial properties over that um, 30 year period, at the end of it, your debt income is going to be $366,000. Um, that's a passive income coming out of the portfolio, and its value is going to be around $12.5 million. After how many years? 30 years. After 30 years. And you look at that today and go, oh, well, maybe for you, it's. Oh, I want more than that. And it's like, well, mate, you know, 12 and a half million bucks is a lot of money. And in valuation. Yeah. Val, yeah. And then, um, and then you also got, what was it, $366,000 in, in income. So that is crazy for like people to get their head around. Like that is achievable for most Australian people. Mm. The issue that we find is that people can't stick to a plan <laughs> or a strategy because they just get caught up in the shiny ball syndrome or they want to go and. You know, yeah. do holidays and that's factoring in you know going for doing your holidays and um, obviously inflation and um, your growth strategy but it, it's pretty simple it's not rocket science yeah it's just look you can just go you buy hold you invest your time and your money into this um, thing called a property portfolio I also advocate of um, diversification into you've got your superannuation as well yeah there's a strategy later in life where you know because of the tax benefits you can get out of it, putting money into that, but that's also shares. Running a, a, a good balance of um, these different assets, it de-risks your overall portfolio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to come back to a few different strategies, but I guess the double-edged sword of reassessing your property strategy is that, like you said, the shiny object syndrome Property moves a lot slower than some other markets and some other things, and you know some things might pop up in your life like, "Oh, look at this thing over here! I'm going to take a little bit of cash and put it in that." the The value I feel, in my opinion, in staying in one asset class for a long period of time, the compounding effect is insane. Mm. Is absolutely insane, and I guess when you reassess your property strategy. It's probably you're probably going to get a better ROI over the long term through compounding with less work, and this is typically like this is a typical case. If you leave, if you stick with the strategy of investing in property, even if it's like investing in your super with property and investing, you know, in you know different structures in property, the ROI that you can get from that because you are learning more and more about the space. The more you learn, the more you earn. Uh, versus like the other side of the sword is like, I'm going to reassess my property strategy. Oh, I've got a bit of equity here. Oh, I might just go away and like chase some something else, you know, outside of the property realm. So I guess right. there's a double-edged sword with it. Like when you're reassessing, maybe go through the lens of reassessing to reinvest into the same asset class being property. Yeah, pick your primary. For, for me, it's property because there's less, less stress, less risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ability to use leverage mm-hmm. is is really strong um, and why that's why like I'm not the smartest cook in the, in, the, <laughs> in the cookie jar but I'll just look at it and go historically you know the property market has performed you know 
it's on a growth trajectory. Um, and then Maslow's hierarchy needs, people need food, shelter. Uh, yep. That's a, a big part. And then land is finite. Like we can't go, well, I think we've talked about this, but you can go and be uh, over in Dubai and be a massive oil baron and go and create islands. But, um, you know, for the majority of it, land is finite and it, you can't be create. We can't build more of it. And that's why a lot of my strategies for people looking for good capital growth are focused around those high, like, hyper-populated areas where good know, capital it's, growth, yeah. it's already been built out. It's just sort of common sense. It's just following the data and tracking the market and doing what you do every day it makes you really efficient at it. Yeah. So I guess let's talk, like, let's now talk about the, that's a 30-year plan that you can stick to. Some people are, like, 50 and they're like, dude, I don't. I have 30 years to get to like my 360k a year. Um, what are some of the other, like there's some variables that are going to allow you to speed up the growth of your portfolio. And I guess we should highlight some of those variables that is injecting more cash into it, okay. uh, buying, refinancing, getting more finance faster, mm-hmm. yep. right? Getting refinancing or purchasing more um, faster. And then also, Asset selection, I guess, is going to help increase cash flow and depend on asset selection. There's variables with that, like asset selection for more capital growth, faster capital growth than some other areas, and some could be higher cash flow than some other different types of assets. So, where do we go with that? Like, what is what's the what's the next step in the in the phase of like speeding this up a little bit for somebody that has 100k and might want to just go a little bit faster. What can they do? Would it be all right? Let's 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 reassess more regularly every 12 months, every six months with how much equity I have and where I could be purchasing my borrowing capacity. Those types of two things. So that's kind of asset selection and financing without them having to reinject too much cash. Would that speed up the timeline? Yes. Um- if you're like a, a, people get caught up in, what's that saying? Yeah, people underestimate what they can. Yeah, people underestimate, people overestimate what they can achieve in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in three years. And then if you chuck a, ten, a zero on each of that, people overestimate what they can achieve in 10 years and underestimate what they can achieve in 30 years. Yeah. Big. Yeah. So that's kind of like where I've shifted my mind. And then I look at obviously my past and go, wow. I didn't think that was going to happen with those decisions. I knew those decisions were sound, um, but then you know, no one expected the property market nationwide to grow 25%. Hang on, you don't have a crystal ball? No. no, no. <laughs> I, like, I do, that's what sort of lights me up in, is just understanding like markets and human psychology and, and you know, what we can do with that money because – it's important to me. I, I'm dealing with people's money every single day. I want to put them in the right locations because that's going to help them. So the software system that we run is, has limitations to, you know, oh, if we do a renovation, it's going to increase its value by X. Like mm. there's just so many complexities. So it's good to keep it, you know, have, have a simple base. But if you want to put rocket fuel underneath your, um, your portfolio growth, you've got to buy well. Mm. Uh, so you know, having a good, understanding of the market analysis and negotiate hard the way in asset selection as you said is massive because that's what's going to outperform that market because it's you know, going to be a more scarce asset and then um, obviously the location and where you're buying is key but then 
It's like, well, what can we do with this property? Is it a three bedroom that, mm. that I can convert to a four bedroom to increase that cash flow? And then with that increased cash flow, that helps with your serviceability. So your borrowing capacity can increase. Mm-hmm. You're buying in growth locations as well, which we focus. Yeah, then you're going to get that equity uplift, which is going to help you scale your portfolio faster. So the way to actually get um, a better uh, growth and portfolio growth component is to accumulate more in the earlier years. Yes. Um, it's just that you've got to look at it from, the, from a strategy point of view. Not everyone can um, can do that, so it depends on well, what, what are their incomes. Um, and if you want to grow your portfolio faster, then you know, you've got to figure out ways to increase your income, whether it's talked about you know, saving more money, um, like your net income, so savings, or finding ways to increase your your take home pay, yeah, your wage, take, yeah. um, more jobs, more work. Yeah, and, and thinking smarter not harder is, is is key. So, and then you're going into well, that's your residential component. If you can accumulate quickly, then the accumulation phase it, it just compounds. Like the compounding effect over time is just insane um, to see how it grows. So. Uh, because everyone is, is so different, I take that broad base 30 years nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you, if you'll start hitting sort of roadblocks with number three, uh, maybe number four, and it's all based around serviceability and income. So then you can switch your strategy into a higher income play. That's why you know, I say commercial, but there's also um, the high income plays, whether it's rooming houses, duplex pairs, townhouses, it helps with that um, cash flow component from the bank. Mm. Uh, but then, yeah, renovations are a really great way. It's not sort of, yeah, once again, rocket science, but it's just if you've got 20 grand to spend, you've know, you got to know where to spend it in the right place. And everyone has an opinion. Um, I'd say being someone who has an opinion in the market every single day, you know, um, Spending that twenty thousand dollars on, how do I say it? Like um, putting creative features into your house, <laughs> not sexy gonna, appliances. Yeah, don't equal up. It's not going to do it. Like yeah. keep it simple: paint, flooring, <clears throat> kitchen, bathroom, front street curb appeal. Like pretty much, that's all you really need to try and focus in on on your investment side. Mm-hmm. And then with um, you know, other higher income plays, there's different strategies right like you can if you're a corner block you could put signage on the front fence and get an income stream out of that you could you know put solar panels on your roof decrease that um that expense electrical expense or, or rent out your roof for mm. some commercial properties mm. yeah it's interesting you bring up a good topic of discussion because you might accumulate a bit of growth in say your own ppr uh, and you might have a hundred k equity, and you might be like, "Oh, that's you know, we really want to make this a you know a bit better of a home, um, or do some renos on it, and try and add some value to it, right? Maybe you want to do a reno on it, and you want to move somewhere else and rent it out. Now, that's a really good thing that you need to assess and reassess in multiple different ways. Where what ROI are you going to get from Taking that 100k, taking 100k, and any equity, increasing your borrowing capacity by 100k, and 
than renovating it and what would you get if you were to move out and, and rent it and what would be the, the revaluation of the property versus taking that 100K and buying another property. Mm. So that's, that's an equation. Like There's so many different things to reassess. So let's come back to like 30 years, you know, it's once people get to 100K, which is typical, typically can be hard for the average Australian. Once they get there, then they can put that in and, and just stick with the stick with the investing in property. Say they go for, you know, three resis and then three or four resis and then they move into commercial. Say that's somebody can do that as a rent vester. How does that change for somebody that is owns a principal price of residence? Good, good question. Uh, that's what I come here for. <laughs> <laughs> you got the good ideas, man. Um, yeah, principal place residence really handicaps your uh, passive income. You say handicaps? Handicaps. handicaps. Okay. No, I said handicaps. Oh, no, I just was just double checking that it's like. No, but like. I, I was em- making it, em- I was emphasizing that it was a handicap. <laughs> just like, yeah, taking the PSV, like it's handicap, <laughs> not handicap. Yeah. Even when I said it, I was like, yeah. No, I was emphasizing that it's like people that own a PPR, it's like you're handicapped. Yeah. No, nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, but each to their own. Just because I'm a rent vester, I'm, you know, biased. <laughs> That's why I was emphasizing well, it. <laughs> here's the thing. Um, you know, rent vesting definitely works. Uh, you get the good capital growth and get the income, um, which allows you to continue to scale your portfolio, which gets you your, to your goal faster because you're acquiring that passive income. Financial goal we're talking about as well because we understand that sometimes your goal might be, you know, happiness and um, in a home. So yeah. I get that equation. Yeah, and there's other strategies of, well, go buy a principal place of residence, you know, live in it, do it up, you've got no capital gains tax on the sale, and then you can um, jump from that to another principal place of residence. So so you buy for a million, put 200 grand into it, you sell for 1.5, you've got no tax on that, you buy another property at, say, 1.2 million, and then you put another 200 grand into it, you sell for 2 million, mm-hmm. you just, you're compounding it, and also... I can say this because I'm understanding how life generally works for those that are in my life journey, which is you start out, you're single, you just you don't want to spend your time at home because you just want to enjoy you know, the traveling or you know, socializing. Mm-hmm. So your home is quite small mm-hmm. and then you go into you know, relationships and then um, children and then you have the young children where... Now, you might not want that pool at the start because it's you know, sort of dangerous and also the upkeep and maintenance is a pain in the ass. Great um, babysitting strategy, though. Yeah, when your kids get to that age of, say, three plus, where they got their, apparently kids, they have their flotation. Like at three, they can float better or something. Like, um, like, I'd like to ask Jordy about that. Yeah, I probably should. Um, don't quote <laughs> me on that one, but they're, they're buoyancy. Sorry, that's their buoyancy. Okay. Um, kicks in around three, <laughs> I've been told. Maybe I'm reading the wrong dad books, but anyway, um, <laughs> crucify me in the comments below. <laughs> um, but yeah, like now, like I'm looking at, well, it'd be nice to have a pool because it's like, yeah, babysitting, have a bit more land to shoot hoops and have a shed to store all the stuff that my so wife So you want to put more money into your home because you're going to spend more time there. And Correct. You value, you're going to cherish the, mem- the memories. Yeah. So there's definitely an emotional ROI outside of financial ROI, which let's be honest, emotions are you know emotion drives more money. awesome than finances. <laughs> yeah, emotion drives money too, and that's like the psychology. This is where I sort of get into a little bit more deeper thinking, where it's mm. like, okay, well, 
that's family life. Then you get the pools, what drives those markets? And then you get people who the kids have grown up and moved out and you know, you're there as the owner of the property. Upkeeping a pool that is like, God damn. Yeah, and, and, all, and your kids, they don't want to be at home. They want to be closer to the action, like this, whether it's their friends, their yeah. um, sporting events or whatever they're into. Um, you know, they don't want to be in their teenagers. They don't want to be at home as much. And then you're sitting there going, well, why am I maintaining this, this big property? We had great memories. And for me, it's like, well, that's an opportunity cost because for, whether you're paying someone to do your gardening and clean your pool or you're doing it yourself, it's still it's an expense of, time because um, yeah. you need to go to work to earn the money to pay for the pool, pool cleaner that is not getting used that pool yeah, and you're like well i don't want to swim the pool in winter it's bloody yeah. cold unless you're drew there's health benefits there but anyway um digressing and then you're moving into your uh you're downsizing yeah you're downsizing and then you you say your, your kids have moved out empty nesters like they still want sort of Bedrooms to the they want a clean, nice home still. Yeah, but they don't want to. You're going back. It's like that full circle. So, well, I don't want my place to cost me a lot of time and effort because mm-hmm. I've got the financial freedom to go and do. So that's the psychology of the the, the buyer. Yeah, and then they go into retirement. So homes. important to understand people when they're reassessing their property strategy. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so that's where it's like, well, everyone's strategy is different because I need to understand where you are in this life cycle. Yeah, and then I'm also tracking the markets to see, like, at the moment. Because the baby boomer generation have come through, mm. uh, you know, there's a there's a big push for those coastal lifestyle and regional locations for these downsizers who are selling up in big cities, wanting to get away from everyone because they don't need to be there for employment. Mm-hmm. Maybe their kids have moved away because you know people are moving more online, or mm-hmm. they've moved over living overseas, and they just want to. Sort of yeah, downsize and, and try something different, and that's where we're seeing this big kick in um, coastal location growth. Like Southeast Queensland is going nuts at the moment, um, just because you know, people are, have that money and they're making cash offers. Everyone's blown away. Who has this much cash? Well, people that work their whole lives and yeah. <laughs> just sold up for four million dollars in Sydney on an average home. Somebody that started their property journey at 20, did 30 years, they're 50 now, and they've got a $12 million property portfolio, oh. 360K passive income per year, save out that for two years, they can buy something cash sale for 700K. Yep, yep. So that's, uh, that's just sort of the cycle of life. And it goes pretty quick. You click your fingers. However old you are listening to this, you're all listening to me going, he's right. I can't believe it the last 10 years ago. And then yeah. there could be a young person going, oh. You don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? It took me <laughs> so long to go to school and uni and now I've got my 100 grand and then it's like, well, just you wait for the next 10 years, mm. my friend. Um, so, yeah, understanding that's all that, that strategy, the journey, going into, um, you know, what it is that you're actually aiming for. And, like, my big disclaimer all this with clients is have a strategy and keep accumulating assets that are growing in value and having an income stream um, the chances of you actually hitting like that 30 years and going, oh, Jared, you're right. I've got, I've got 12 and a half million in assets, 366,000 in passive income. Mm. I did it. And it's like amazing. Mm. Like the chances of that happening are really slim because you don't know what life's going to throw at you. It um, could be more. You could have, you know, you could have had a more aggressive growth path because you injected cash into it and, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, but it, it provi- it's providing you options. It comes down to the simple thing of 
Invest your money into something that's going to grow in value because the world is set up for you to fail. It's going to keep sucking your time and attention to things that are non-productive, whether it's shopping for clothes that you don't need or buying a shiny, shiny new car to impress people that are like you anyway, right? Mm. Like, kind of like that theme of who I am as a human is just health, relationships, and wealth are like that um, key part of focus on those your, your life and. At the end of it all, we sit down and we need to be content with our decisions on the rocking chair, on the deck, when you're 80 or 90, sipping your cup of tea and mm. reflecting on the world. Like, Have a think about what you want to be thinking and the person you want to be and the people you want to have around you. And that's where you should start. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's having that thought and just becoming conscious of like, this is what I want and let's, how do I work towards it? And I guess... What you, or I don't guess, I know, what I have wanted in the last five years has changed significantly. And probably the same for you, Sam. And that's in just five years. And your opportunities have changed as well. Exactly. And that's what's going to happen, you know, as our world world evolves faster for you guys to sting opportunities. There's going to be more and more opportunities that pop up in front of you faster and faster as well. So, yeah, it is worth not just reassessing your strategy, but to reassess the strategy, you first need to reassess the goal as well and make sure your goal is in alignment with all the people that you love in your life and yourself too. And then, then you can reassess the strategy. And doing that regularly, um, <clears throat> I've got, uh, so talking about Geordie, him and his partner, they do a quarterly clarity offsite where they check in, see how everything's going in their relationships, and then they get on a 90-day plan for what they want to do for the next 90 days to achieve some sort of goal in different areas in their, their life and relationship. And that's a really good strategy if, you, if you're you know, really focused on growth and bettering your life and doing it every quarter. But even if you were to do it every six months or every 12 months, just sit down with your partner, sit down with you know whoever's important in your life and and assess like all right what what am i where do i want to be in six months where do i want to be in 12 months what are, what uh resources do i have in terms of cash a, a borrowing capacity and assets maybe already if we're talking about property and then how do we structure that to get to our you know goal in six months time of like maybe purchasing another property or 12 months time maybe purchasing another property five years time maybe owning x amount more properties or having a property valuation of this size by by renovating and whatnot. So that constant reassessing is like, is key, huh? Yeah, well, the, that's the more of an active strategy where there's a passive investor, which is just buy and hold. But I'm always, like, at the very least, uh, just checking every 12 months to see what the opportunities are. We talk about opportunity costs a lot. And that's, yeah, assessing your options. It might just be that there's nothing to do. You know, and that's cool. Yeah, you know, that's like a really good point. You've already got a good asset um, yeah. in, in your portfolio. and Patience. That's, yeah. That might be your strategy. Yeah, and buying, like, don't get caught up in, you know, there's also stresses in owning a portfolio with 20 properties or 40 properties where you've got 40 tenants, 40 property managers, 40 kitchens, maybe 80 bathrooms. 40 nightmares. Yeah, like, it's just, like, there's, there's simplicity in it all. Um, but, yeah, each 12 months it could be that, and markets grow and um, plateau and pull back in different parts in Australia. Um, and that's sort of where having that more active, I guess, advisor that's just in the market every day, that's where it can really like pay the dividends. Because it could just be that 
hey, that market's looking at like it's showing signs of peaking. Mm-hmm. Let's divest out of that. You've held, you've held it for ten years. You've got that good um, good growth cycle. Let's you know put that money to work harder for you in a different location. And that's how you're going to also fast track your portfolio growth because okay, over the median over like the the median growth cycle of a thirty year period, most markets in Australia you know they tend to equal out. Um, and that's what the data is obviously suggesting to to me. And I look at that and go, well, that kind of makes sense because you get the booms in Sydney, and then you get the regionals that are booming, yeah. um, and it, it ebbs and flows. And it's just like if you've ever been involved in stock markets and watching charts, like I used to analyze charts as well. <laughs> Remember when we used to do forex? Yeah, I still, yeah, I still have a definitely a big uh, interest in all that. It's just that. Once again, going back to strategy is like my skill set and everything that I've done from you know work, study, career is all property. So why would I start you know getting caught up in the shares? Which I, Shiny objects, yeah, yeah. Um, so my point, well, I was rambling what, on about. <laughs> yeah, you were just talking about like the long, the long, like over the long term time frame is like you're going to have the ups and downs in the markets, but if you just stick at it, you're going to get you're going to get growth yeah oh and that's that's what i was hitting on is um you know you might get those markets so they'll boom for a six ten year period and they plateau you know for me it's like well get out of that one sell it you've had that nice growth period let's go find another market where it's just kick, picking up we're well, going to get that you know 10 plus percent in growth per annum um, and that's going to you know, really fast track your portfolio growth and yeah, you're selling down the asset. You've got capital gains and you've got um, sales, commissions and things like that. But I'm talking, you know, you can sell out of that for your 800000 bucks, go back and buy for 400000 double that in the next 10 years, whereas that $800,000, mm-hmm. that, that might do nothing for five years. This is uh, a subject that we have to talk about, which is knowing when to sell. Because I guess a lot of people... In the property realm, it's like buy a property and just hold on to it forever. And I mean, we just talked about like if you do hold on to it for 30 years, you're going to get the growth. It's a smart move. But also, if you're reassessing, then it could be a smart move to sell and reinvest because opportunity cost. And then how do you know? How do you know when to sell it? On data. It's all on data, so maybe we should talk about what data they should be looking at for that. Too. Oh, that's the secret source, mate. So you come and have a chat. Um, the yeah, so it's just the same as growth metrics, right? The same sort of data, like days on market, supply levels, demand levels, like on a broad basis. Um, Don't spill the beans. We're going to do this full, full episode on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right. Well, we, we should because I actually, okay. yeah, all right. Well, keep keep listening. <laughs> it's Stay it's tuned. coming because it's good because like. I was definitely that, you know, grew up in that buy and hold mentality and um, that's kind of the, it's like, it's not a norm. It's a, it's a normal, but it's also a very um, passive advisory, sort of, I'd say, not say lazy, but it's just, um, you know, for me, it's like not everyone's going to be tracking the market, but there's time and a place for everything. And now with the accumulation of data, like maybe that buy and hold strategy was really pumped over the last 10 to 20 years because it was just common sense that we all knew markets went up over time uh, and they just buy and hold it and, and hope. And now with all the, the amount of money we spend on data and analytics and researching those markets, it's 
it's come to a clear point in my life where it's like, well, actually, that buy and hold strategy, yes, it works, and that's great for people who just are passive. But for me, it's like, why not? Why not amplify it if you can? It just it's not the hardest thing to sell a property, um, and it's not the hardest thing to buy a property, um, especially with especially if you're doing it regularly. And you've got if if you aren't regular, then you've got somebody you know. Yeah, well, you've got you like us. real estate agents, yeah, buyers right. agents. I mean, you've got that much information in front of you now. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're just having that confidence. A lot of people know that that's the case because especially later in their life, they've seen markets boom and everything. But that's the hardest thing about property too is that it's not like a share market where you see its price every day. I mean, you've got automatic valuation models now, mm-hmm. but you know, who... who Who's <laughs> logging on every day to see the value of their property? Oh, it went up a thousand dollars today. Like, I'm going to go buy, you know, a new surfboard. Yeah, uh, that's just not the case. And also, don't rely on automatic valuation valuation models, AVMs. They're those things that you see on realestate.com or CoreLogic. They give you a rough price. They're highly inaccurate. So just be cautious. Proceed with caution. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. That's there's so many reasons to why you should be able to reassess um your property strategy your goals uh and yeah hopefully build your wealth in the time frame that suits you based on your life journey yeah i mean it doesn't uh, need to be fast and rocket fuel it, it should just be what your level of comfort is right you can get there like obviously well let's jared's gonna be the i'm the rocket fuel guy but not everybody is that yeah, but you're you're going to be a great test case for seeing as we as we grow um, the, what's achievable. Mm-hmm. And like I don't have a crystal ball, but I property markets they even in recessionary periods there's there's pockets in Australia that grew. Um, so even over that, you know, say most recent was the GFC that 2008, 2012, 13. There's markets in Australia that went up in value, and then there's also markets that did nothing. But whilst the rest of the market was dropping. You know, you'd be pretty stoked that your pre value just stayed the same while yeah. others were dropping. So yes. it's just, and that, and that's going to help you in your whole entire journey where you can fast track it from thirty years to ten. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a, it's all there. It's achievable. It's just once again, as we always come back to, and the reason why we started this whole journey of podcasting is you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know who to go to to ask the right questions on your behalf and to, to assess and to check and have your hold your hands to the process because it's like property markets, it's full of people who are you know, in there to make a quick buck, mm-hmm. um, don't care enough about you and you know, it's, it is dangerous um, and people also get caught up in their, like, their own emotions. emotions but beliefs and lies as well. Like mm-hmm. you, there's the, we talked about house and land packages prior like people really believe in that strategy mm-hmm. and you know they believe in it because there's good evidence to suggest that it works and it does work to a certain extent does it outperform other strategies no it might work over a 30-year period yeah yeah exactly and, and like you might get i don't know 15 to well, let's just say over a 30-year period you might get like 100 percent growth but you could get 200 percent growth somewhere else with a different strategy yeah, exactly. So opportunity cost. So with those house and land packages, now you've hit on that is you'll you'll get poor growth at the start if you're in those outskirts of CBDs or a high land supply area, but you'll get good depreciation. So it'll help your you know your, your cash flow in the year. But then 
it's not going to do anything for say 10 years and then those later 20 years you're going to see that good growth and you're going to be like wow it's a really smart investment I'm a genius <laughs> um, <yeah>. and <laughs> uh, there's alternative strategies out there right like it's just knowing what fits and obviously I know what fits for me in doing it um, for people and seeing the results it's, it's really rewarding that's the advantage of like um, chatting with you is that you have so many different people from so many different walks of life with so many different levels of money in their bank account and so many different strategies and goals and you can just see that there's so many different ways to do it and it's it's pretty unique so yeah but you've got to pick one like when each, each step this is a big key each in the strategy is, is one, like focus on one step yeah and yeah. what's the mind, one what's the step that makes the most logical sense and for your for you your cash balance and your risk appetite and let's take that step you know? mm-hmm. and then once you go to that step Give yourself a pat on the back. I say sit back, have a cup of tea or coffee if you're into that or wine or beer. I'm not a big, not a big drinker, but um, used to be. <laughs> we all did. Yeah, we did a lot. Coming back to full circle, that's a really good point is like all you can focus on is the next step and the next move. And to, to know what the next move is, you need to you need to reassess your property strategy. You need to reassess where you're at to be able to focus on that next move. So. That's a really good way to tie this up, I think. Yeah, thanks for listening. And as always, comment below, please. Subscribe, like us, share the love. Um, if this might not be relevant to yourself and your journey, but hopefully you're getting a laugh out of it. Just share it with some of your, your, your friends and family and hopefully they can help and either do it themselves or at least ask us the right questions to put them on the right path in life. Yeah, well, we want some questions, guys. Bring your questions forward. Hello at propertypals.au. And, um, oh, actually, we've got to cover that. I've got a couple of questions that have come in that we've got to answer on the podcast. Oh, we do? Yeah. That's so. sick. All right, cool. All right, speak to you soon, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.